As it has been noted, today is Christ the King Sunday, or as it is sometimes called, Reign of Christ Sunday. It can sometimes feel like a throwaway holiday in the church, since it is so often that it appears around Thanksgiving and the start of the official holiday season. I preached last year on Christ the King Sunday, and I gave a little history lesson during that sermon, and I'm going to recap it today. Not no judgment, but just in case you've forgotten it or maybe missed it, uh, it's been sort of an eventful year, truly, this week. Uh, I sent Sam a text that said, every darn Thursday, and he texted back, it's Friday. So sometimes we forget what day it is, How can we all be expected to remember what Christ the King Sunday is all about a year later? So here it is once again. This day was originally named the Solemnity of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Such a great title. I'm kind of sad we've shortened it to Reign of Christ Sunday. It was first set apart and named in 1925. So as far as church holidays go, it is relatively new and it was set by Pope Pius XI. He declared this day to be one the church needed to recognize due to what he felt was a worldwide increase in secularism and nationalism. In his writing to announce this great day, he stated that manifold evils in the world were due to the fact that the majority of men had thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of their lives that these had no place in either private affairs or in politics. And as long as as individuals and states refused to submit to the rule of the Savior, there would be no hopeful prospect of a lasting peace among nations. 1925, 2020, could go either way, couldn't it? Despite today being almost 100 years later, they are still constantly things other than God, vying for the place of king in our lives. So we have this day, this Christ the King Sunday, where we make just a little space in the church calendar to clearly and vehemently declare who really is king, despite any and all evidence to the contrary. And that's why I like today. I like to stand up against stuff, fight against injustice. I need the reminder of this myself most days. Who is king in my life? Now, each Christ the King Sunday, we get a text chosen from whatever gospel we have spent the past year in. One that tries as much as it can to wrap up the whole year and that whole gospel into a big old pretty bow since it is, after all, the last Sunday of the church year. And this year, one we have spent immersed in Matthew's gospel offers us Matthew 25 for Christ the King Sunday. It's a familiar text for many of us. We've heard it before. We hear of Jesus being present yet again in the outsider and in the downcast, the poor, the hungry, the homeless. Jesus reminds us that whatever we do to the least, we do to him. And it made me wonder this week, why was this text chosen for this day? Why not something more kingly? 
We have lots of examples in Matthew's gospel, right? The triumphal entry, the raising of Lazarus, the transfiguration. These are all kingly images of Christ in our scripture. And then as soon as I wondered that question, then it led me to the next question, which is, well, what makes something kingly after all? Is it power or might? Now, if I were to do a Google search of the word kingly right now, which I did when I was writing this sermon, you know what I would get. In the images, I would get a mansion, maybe two or three, a shopping mall, because there's definitely one called Kingly Court, um, a club, like a dance club, a men's suit company, a gun manufacturer, and lots and lots and lots of pictures of lions. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, funny, he never uses any of those things. Isn't that interesting? When we think about what a kingdom looks like now, we can access any number of images, but the Bible gives us some as well. And to pair this text with this day is significant because the snapshot of the kingdom of God that Jesus gives looks like this. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. This is the snapshot of the kingdom of God. And the story that Jesus tells before giving this snapshot is all of the nations, all the people in the whole world being gathered together and what separates them is not money or power or mansions or capitalism or guns, but compassion. What eventually separates us is compassion. When this gospel reading is paired with all the stories we've had in the past few weeks of not waiting and acting now and not knowing when this is coming, it feels like maybe the best solution is to be as compassionate as possible as soon as possible. Not compassionate to those in power, not compassionate to those with money, but compassion to those who are hungry and thirsty and in prison and who we might name as stranger. And what is significant about this is that people who are, the people who are divided into compassionate and not compassionate in today's gospel don't know how they got put into those categories. Both groups of people say, Lord, when? When did we see you? When did we not see you? And Jesus says, when you acted with compassion to the least of these, you saw me. When you didn't act with compassion to the least of these, you missed seeing me. This feels relevant right now, this text about compassion and seeing those who are in need. And I know I quote her quite regularly, but author and columnist Debbie Thomas wrote this beautiful response about this text on this day in this time. She said, as I write, COVID-19 cases are soaring across the United States, not least because millions of people are refusing outright to wear masks and practice social distancing. What is that 
if not a refusal to see and tend to Jesus in our most vulnerable neighbor? Is not our sick king even now lying in thousands of hospital beds, struggling to breathe? Is not our king hungry and thirsty and naked after months of COVID-induced unemployment? Isn't Jesus even now languishing in a million prison cells, feeling utterly expendable as the coronavirus rips through our jails and prisons? I fear that instead of embracing the countercultural possibility of a humble, wounded king, we have given ourselves over to a version of kingship that is all about domination, triumphalism, and greatness. We have fallen in love with the loud, the muscular, and the aggressive, and we have forgotten that the only power Jesus wielded on earth was the power to give himself away. He is the king who entered humanity red-faced and crying, a king whose greatest display of power included riding on a donkey, washing dirty feet, hanging on a cross, and frying fish on a beach for his agnostic friends. How did we go from this God, the God who empties himself of all privilege, the God who perpetually pours himself out and surrenders his own life for his loved ones, to God as Iron Man? It is yet another snapshot of what it means to be kingly. Iron Man or a baby. That's why today matters. That's why taking this time to clearly and loudly declare who is king is an important act for the church, for us as people of God. Particularly important does it feel this year when it also feels like the empires that are fighting for power are not all that compassionate. Do not look for the hungry or thirsty or help the stranger or those in prison. This is a day to defiantly affirm God's reign over those empires that do not hunger and thirst for righteousness. One of my pastoral colleagues, Meta Herrick Carlson, calls Christ the King the church's New Year's Eve. She says it's an important opportunity to do in the church what we do on New Year's Eve in the calendar year. It is an opportunity for us to look back to see how the church participated in God's reign, how the church was compassionate and worked on behalf of the least. It's a chance for us to ask ourselves how we are a part of furthering God's kingdom in the world. And it is an opportunity for us to look forward, just like we do on New Year's Eve, a chance to take note of the ways we can do this work in the coming year. For Christ is coming, will come, and what will we do? Pastor Meta is known for writing blessings for all sorts of occasions. And of course, she has one for today as well. And I want to end with it this morning. We dare to declare Christ as King on the eve of a new year in the life of a church. Such simple proclamation and yet easily forgotten so central to our faith and yet dangerous to speak in the shadow of empires. Christ is king, patriarchy is not. Christ is king, 
white supremacy is not. Christ is king, democracy is not. Christ is king, big money is not. Christ is king, the status quo is not. Christ is king, the church is not. Christ is king, I am not. It rings in our ears like odd lang syne. Christ is king, the last and truest word of all. Amen. Well, I think it is perfect to sing that hymn on Christ the King Sunday as we prepare to make room for Christ to come and we look uh, around and remind ourselves about what this day actually means. So for a fun practice for today, since we are all staying at home to stay safe, instead of a ball drop and champagne, though truly feel free to do that if you would like to, um, is to make your own declarations. I wonder what you might add to Pastor Meta's list. Christ is king, what fill in the blank is not. I wonder if you might think honestly and truly about the things you place in position of king in your life and write it down, say it out loud. Christ is king, I am not. Christ is king, I am not. And thank goodness for that. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm -hmm.